So I think yeah. we're flying out midday Tuesday. Oh, you're flying. It really is a vacation. I'm oh, leaving oh. on a jet plane. Chris, we don't hold know when he's coming Chris back. Chris is flying somewhere? Wait, hold your horses. All right, vacation time. So hold me like you'll never let me go. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Brendan Sinode. I am joined by a full crew of benchers today. Got Chris Knee in night vision right now. Hello, Christopher. Hello, Brendan. We got Zachary. Zach's getting a kick out of that. Zach, is that funny to you that Chris is in the dark right now because he needs the fan to not be on? Yeah, it's really scaring me. Yes, yeah, Zach, Zach, it's going to be okay though, buddy. And Josh Newberg joining us from central New York. Hello, Joshua. Hello. Live from vacation. Uh, let's start off here. We got a jam-packed episode of recruiting news to get to. A lot of this is going to be a recap of what the month of June was for FSU. And I think that's the starting spot here is, was it pivotal? Josh, would you say that June was a pivotal month for the Seminoles? Big June. I don't big know about June. pivotal, but oh. it was a big June. Mm. Zachary, pivotal, big June. Where, where, are you, where are you landing with the June? I'm like right in the middle, like both pivotal and big. Oh, pivotal. Uh, Christopher? I'll play your game. It was pivotal. <laughs> All right, so Florida State enters the month of July. It's July 1st. Congratulations to making it to this point, gentlemen, especially uh, Chris and Zach. You're no longer on the bench, and I it's got to feel weird for you. A little disassociation going on. So FSU enters this month of July ranked third nationally in the 2022 recruiting cycle. Third nationally. Uh, obviously, it's going to change. There's going to be a lot of commitments coming up. FSU got a bunch at the end of June to help that a little bit. But still, FSU enters this month with 220 Point two seven recruiting points for its class, so it's two two zero comparatively. A year ago, FSU's recruiting class in total ranked or had two hundred and fourteen points. So already more points now in July for this recruiting class than FSU last cycle. Uh, let's start off with you, Chris. The perspective of, of what you saw this month, what June was for FSU, why you think it was pivotal, uh, just how impressive was this month. It was organized. It was, you know, the minute they could go on June 1st at midnight, they went and they never slowed down till they couldn't have anybody on campus. They went till 7 p.m. on that Sunday before the dead period began. And it was impressive. I mentioned on the last pod we did, they have 36 top targets designated on NOLS 24-7. Every single one of those individuals stepping on campus in June. I mean, you pull that off, you're going to have success. You get in front of kids. And you got some of those kids here for, uh, you know, a guy like Travis Hunter, a guy like Jaleel Skinner, were in here for multiple days in a row. Travis Hunter acted as a major recruiter for FSU during that stretch he was here. Then you have other guys that came in, and, you know, let's start with the beginning of the month, for example, with Midnight Madness. You bring them in for Midnight Madness, they come back the next day for the visit, and they return the following morning before they depart. It's essentially like an official visit in length because it feels like three days almost because it started at midnight, had about a four-hour stretch, and then you had a little bit the next day where they did the tours and all that, and then they concluded with the Mike Norvell talk before they left town. You know, that's pretty important. They did a lot of that throughout the month where they would get a guy in on one day and he would depart either the next day or the following day and have multi-day unofficial visits that felt like official visits to some degree. Eston Harris, Earl Little Jr., Marvin Jones Jr., those are a few guys that come to mind immediately of top-tier targets, guys that FSU's majorly in the game with that they had in here for unofficials that felt like officials. And then obviously you have about 20 officials come in during the month and they hit it out of the park with those. They've landed numerous commitments. They're going to land a couple more from those that came in. And some of those were guys that were already committed that they've just further solidified. Yeah. I don't get too carried away with the numbers in June. Um, there's still so much game left to be played and, you know, it's fair to, to look at the benchmarks from one summer to the next. Um, but realistically speaking, um, I think this is just the foundation of Florida State's class. You know, all the things that Chris said are true. The the ability to get these guys on campus and build relationships. And then at the end of June, we saw them lock down some of these commitments. Um, but the way I see it really is the class that Florida State currently has committed, regardless of ranking, is the foundation of the class. I think if this team goes out and wins what we think is, is realistic, like a six games or maybe even five, five, six, seven games, I don't think this class is going to fall apart. 
Um, they might not go out and land the top targets that are still remaining out on the board, but the current class that FSU sits with right now, I think is, is basically the foundation. Um, FSU's top targets, the five stars, the number one players at their position, they're still out there for the taking. And if Florida State goes out and wins six games, I don't think they're going to add those guys. If they can go out and win more than that and surprise and shock the world, then I do think that they can they can add to this class in a meaningful way. I was going to ask if we thought what they're doing right now is sustainable. You kind of hit on that, Josh. I'm going to throw this to Zach. Do you think of what FSU is doing right now? What is? Hold on. Before you clarify sustainable, what does that mean? You mean they can sign this class uh, or do you two, mean they two, can hold this in through August? Two parts. Or are yeah. you alleging fake momentum over there, man? Uh, I didn't want fo- fomentum a little bit. So one man part of that, <laughs> one part of sustainability is keeping the guys you have intact. You touched on that, Josh. I think that, that that's part of what's sustaining this is you're keeping that core, that nucleus, the, the core of this class together. The other part is being it sustainable, the momentum that they do have, the buzz that is going on in the recruiting world. Can you continue it? Can you build on it in the season? So can you somehow get the Kevin Coleman's of the world, the Jaleel Skinner's? So c- kind of both parts of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it all comes down to that first game against Notre Dame. You bring Ooh. in a huge list of official visitors um, if you want to continue the momentum that they've had over the summer months, you've got to at least show, you know, some competency during that game. You got to compete. Um, there's going to be, a, you know, the environment's going to be there. That part of the the experience is going to be there for those recruits in attendance. So that's going to be one of the things they're kind of selling. Like if you got, if, if you're here at Florida state and you're, you know, putting a good product on the field, you're going to have all these fans, you know, supporting you. And I think if FSU can, somehow win that game against Notre Dame. I know it's a, it's a long shot, but if they do, that would just be crazy for recruiting. Um, obviously with all those official visitors like a Kevin Coleman or Jaleel Skinner, like you mentioned, but that's going to be key to the momentum you see um, during the actual football season. If they win that game or uh, compete uh, well, you're going to see that that momentum continue into the you know first couple of weeks. If they don't, you know, put a good showing out there, you're going to see that momentum kind of die off. And that's what we've seen in the past few seasons. FSU's had big summers, big springs, um, but when we, when you get to that first game, they haven't you know done great uh, over the past several seasons, and that's kind of stagnated their their momentum that they they've had over those months. Yeah, to build on Zach's point, I I want to give this staff credit in the sense where I think they think things through. So is the Notre Dame weekend idea a gamble? Yeah, I think it is. Obviously, Notre Dame could come in here and, you know, FSU could play poorly. Notre Dame could hit on all cylinders and FSU get smoked, and that's not good for anybody. But I don't think they believe that. I think they're a little bullish on what they think they can be. I think there's a belief that Notre Dame isn't necessarily down, but obviously it's going to be introducing a lot of new parts and pieces so sort of maybe a little vulnerable. So it's an opportunity for FSU to kind of put together a game. And if they were able to pull off an upset, and it would certainly be an upset, it could lead to emotional decisions. And I, I think that's something they're playing into. And I think the belief is even if FSU were to lose that game, if they play well and show that they've progressed and they're coming along and it, the program is going a certain direction based on where it was 12 months ago, where it was when last season concluded and where it is when that game ends, I think that's still something they can build on while putting together a good visit weekend with a lot of guys building camaraderie. One of the most important things in recruiting that they did, and they did it in early June and throughout June, and I think it's going to be a consistent theme for this 2022 class, is that it's a lot about recruits recruiting other recruits and kind of a feeling of wanting to play together. I think you saw that with like Travis Hunter and Julio Skinner, for example, the fact that they were so connected at the hip. I think there's an effort for Skinner to want to choose FSU over his other options in part because one, they're recruiting him as a receiver, but two, he likes Travis Hunter. He wants to play with a guy like him. He also likes AJ Duffy, stuff like that. So I think the peer to peer recruiting is important. I think if they make that one big weekend, a feeling similar to that, that it kind of had at midnight madness, it's something they can play off of with a little bit of success on the field. Josh, what did you make of the Manny Diaz? fake momentum comments we assume it was about florida state he didn't say it directly but but it did seem pretty indirect shot at florida i didn't state. brent i didn't honestly see it i was in the middle of covering five commitments for florida state Ooh, can you feel the tension in the air right now 
No, but I mean, hey, you got to turn the focus elsewhere. Manny said that he was going to be very selective in taking on commitments that don't decommit. They had three commitments. They promptly lost one. Uh, and Quan Lee, who decommitted after all of Manny's due diligence on not taking guys that are going to decommit. So I think, you know, he's feeling a little bit of heat and Florida State, for some reason, coming off of a three-win season, has the number three recruiting class in the country. So I think he's probably getting a little chippy. This is the best FSU's ever recruited when Manny's been coach at Miami. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's part of it. And Chris, you've talked about this before, like that momentum is a real thing on the recruiting trail. Like what's happening right now at FSU I think Zach articulated well, like, well, that it is contingent on what happens in the season, but like there, there are, they are establishing momentum, right? Like there is something yeah. positive happening that is potentially quote unquote sustainable. Yeah. They, they have done an excellent job of identifying attainable targets with a few that are long shots thrown in there, but you pursue those types because they're game changers and Earl little junior comes to mind. Jaleel Skinner, who I don't think is a long shot for FSU, but FSU is obviously contending with national power side. They've done a great job of throwing those in there, but also finding guys that are talented, good football players that can help this team be more talented as a roster that are attainable, that they can go get. And they've done a good job of getting those guys on campus, either as official or unofficial visitors, working on building a bond, evaluating them, and then turning the green light on when it's time to try to get a commitment and closing on that. You know, you go position by position. You feel great about what they have at quarterback. Running back's a little uneasy, but you know they have options. A guy like Javante Barnes is probably the top of that board. A guy like Jalen Glover is on that board. There's a few other names. Receiver, you know, feel pretty good about what they're doing there. Kevin Coleman, Jaleel Skinner would be two major gets for them in that position. Tight end, I know Josh hates Brian Courtney take. I just figured I'd throw that in there and just spice him up a little bit this morning. But they got him. We expect him to get powers here in the coming days. O-line, Alex Atkins has done wonders. The key for them is to close on some offensive tackles. And Elijah Pritchett comes to mind, for example. Defensive line, you know, defensive end, I feel pretty good about where they're at right now, especially with the Trevion addition. Obviously, a guy like Marvin Jones Jr. and Nigel Kelly would be a massive addition for them at that position as well. D-tackle, Bishop Thomas is a good start. I still would like to see a little bit more there. That's one position you want to see maybe them hit on a big timer this year. I feel like it's a year where that's kind of a necessity. And right now, I don't know that they're in that position. Maybe a Tyree West comes out of left field. They did get him on campus in June. They nearly got him on campus again in June. It didn't happen, but there is that communication where it could happen. So, you know, leave his name out there. And then linebacker, you get Omar Graham. Got several names on the board. It's a matter of having to close at the position. I know there's people that have skepticism about that position, but I feel like they've done a good job of positioning themselves. Personally, I'd love a guy like Wesley Bassange. Obviously, I'm an EJ Lightsey fan. There's others that they're in the mix with, too. And then in the secondary, they've done a great job. You know, Hunter and McCall start that group out. That's an unbelievable one-two punch. Arguably the best two prospects in FSU's class and two of the better prospects in America. They're looking for that next guy to kind of complete that. A smoke Bowie comes to mind or a little junior that we've mentioned. So, you know, you go position by position, you feel pretty good about where they are as you hit July. And a lot of that is because of what they did in June. And a lot of what they did in June is because of what they did in preparation for June. Now the matter is continuing that through July, August, getting those guys on campus in September for that game and hopefully not seeing your momentum come to a screeching halt. So we haven't talked about this yet. Chris mentioned him quickly with the offensive line. Antavius Woody, offensive lineman committed on Monday. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Days of the week. I believe it was Monday. It was after we recorded the, the first podcast of the week. So, Antavius Woody, four-star offensive lineman from... All right, gentlemen, who wants to go around the horn and pronounce it correctly? Who wants to say it first? Lafayette! <laughs> good start. Lafayette. All right, Joshua? Lafayette. For the record, there is one in Florida. There is? I, I thought there, there was. No. Yeah, yeah, Mayo. It's where uh, I think it was Aaron um, Gresham, the linebacker back in the day. I believe he was from there. Mayo's yeah. kind of in the Big Bend area here. Uh, Josh nailed it. So... There's a whole article on Southern Living about all the different ways to pronounce Lafayette, Lafayette. The Alabama version is Lafayette, Lafayette. So you're saying that when I got on here and pronounced it the way I pronounced it on the last show and everybody freaked out, it was actually correct No, in some parts of the country. I will go back. I will put in the audio. I will find it and put in there. You did not say it correctly last time. You said Lafayette or something. There is one part of the country that probably says it that way. Lafayette. Zach, you were here for that. Then he, he gargled it. It was like Lafayette, Lafayette. It was something bizarre. 
I'm interrupting this podcast to admit that Josh actually said it correctly the first time, but I won't give him the satisfaction. I don't know. It's all jumbling up now because we're all pronouncing it different ways. Yeah, you know how when you say a word too many times and then you don't really know how to say it correctly? We're to that point now. So it's We all know I'm great at pronunciations. All right, Antavius, Woody, Christopher, what do you got for us on him? Uh, long arm, six foot two plus, almost six foot three kid, three hundred pounds, carries it great, has an NFL looking body, a little bit cut off, which makes all of us think he's an interior guy. I know he mentioned in his exit interview that he thought he might play tackle here. The arm length is good enough to play tackle, but I think the size forces him inside. If he can snap, I think he'd be a stud at center personally. But talented kid, road grader, has some academic work to do. As long as he gets that in order, he'll be here and he'll be a good one for FSU. I think he's a kid that if things were a little bit more in line, you'd see some major big powers after him a little bit harder than they were at this time. I think FSU's willing to play that long game with him where they built a great relationship, you know, got the green light, got him committed. Now they work again in a position where it's easily admittable into school and that you have him on your roster next year. Josh, what are your overall thoughts? That's a fourth offensive line take for FSU in this class. Uh, just your general thoughts on what Alex Atkins is doing in this group in general right now. Man, Alex has done a phenomenal job. One of the things that we wanted to see this summer was, can he build more than just relationships? And he's built a heck of a commitment class. Some big dogs still out there like Elijah Pritchett, Emery Jones, um, Jalen Early. Some really good players still available, but the commis- commit list is great. I mean, heading into July, this is a not only is the commit list great, but the board has just been overflowing with talent. Something that we haven't seen at Florida State, at least at this position, in a very long time. How many offensive linemen? Because four is a really good start. What do we think about two more spots allocated to that after they only took two in the last cycle? Is that about right? You think, Josh? So six total. Yeah, yeah, and you know it looks like Florida State's interior class is about set, so that's good to see heading into July. Um, all that ta- all that we need right now is a couple offensive tackles. Daughtry Richardson could be next at the end of July. Um, Elijah Pritchett was set to make his decision on July 3rd, but he has since bumped that back to an unknown time. Um, he's told me that it might be during the season or after the season. Jalen early, early August, and he's a guy that could play in or outside. And he moved his back to middle of July to, to now August time too. Uh, when, we, yeah, when, we, it, when it was early July, we thought that was a good thing for FSU, right? Yeah, and based on the exit interview with him when he left his official visit here, I think he wants to visit Penn State that last week of July. We'll see if that comes together and if that happens. But I think that's the main reason it got pushed to August. Gotcha. One tidbit on the offensive line real quick that I thought was interesting, a trend here. The average size for the FSU offensive line commit right now, so the four different offensive linemen in this class, uh, six foot four, 322 pounds is the average. Comparatively, the last since 2018-19. Last four classes for FSU, the average size has been 6'4", 302 pounds. So the average offensive lineman is coming in 20 pounds heavier uh, than, than it was the last four cycles combined. Zachary, uh, you were on the bench just about every single day of June. Maybe every single – we were on the bench every day in June? Yeah, I made it over there at wow. some point every single day. Wow. All right, so you saw guys come in and go in, talk to probably 100 different recruits at this point, uh, and you wrote something today about uh, – five of the most, I guess, pivotal visitors or five guys at FSU positioned itself for well in June based off of them showing up here in the time they had. Uh, do you want to kind of break down the list of guys that you're you're looking at and what people can check out at Knowles 24-7? Yeah, uh, I started off the list with Kevin Coleman, the five-star receiver out of uh, Missouri. And, you know, getting him here for the Midnight Madness event was huge at Florida State. Uh, it was an unofficial visit, so they didn't burn an official with him. Um, And I think the biggest thing coming out of the month of June with Kevin Coleman is that the only other school, I confirmed this today with with someone with knowledge of his recruitment, the only other school that he tripped to during June was uh, Missouri. Um, And they're not viewed as a a big contender in his recruitment as of right now. Um, And I I just think that 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 trend uh, is just massive. Alabama was kind of looked at as like the biggest threat for uh, FSU and Kevin Coleman's recruitment but they didn't get him on campus this summer. Uh, I think Oregon is probably the the next tier uh, of threat for Kevin Coleman. They are going to probably get him on campus in July, uh, but we'll see what what uh, he does at the end of July when things open up for that one week. 
but I, that that's why I put Kevin Coleman uh, on the list first. So then you move over to, move over to Jalil Skinner, similar situation, visits for Midnight Madness. Uh, then he travels to four other official visit locations, Florida, Alabama, Texas, and Miami. Um, he tweeted a couple days ago that he's not doing any more interviews. So there's not been a lot of just uh, recap of the month for, with Jaleel Skinner. Um, just trying to work some, you know, backstream, see, see what, see where people feel uh, about where Jaleel Skinner's headed. But I think, you know, Jaleel Skinner's last official visit um, is scheduled to be at Florida state for the Notre Dame game. Um, I think that's just huge. FSU is the only school to get him on their campus unofficially during the summer. He was there for multiple days, like Chris mentioned, alongside Travis Hunter at every step of the way. Um, Hunter was obviously in his ear. I just think that that FSU made a, a big move this summer. Um, we had kind of heard things before June started about Skinner and FSU, and then he goes and, and makes that um, first week visit, and I just think that was massive. Then we move over to the defensive line. We touched on him earlier, Nigel e. Kelly out of Dillard. Uh, in, in South Florida, you know, he was all over the country in June, but he makes it back to Florida State for his first in-person visit with the staff, uh, claimed that FSU was still his number one school. He then took officials to Indiana, LSU, and Oregon, and he also saw Miami, Florida, Georgia, Clemson, and Georgia Tech unofficially, along with Florida State. He's a guy that's probably going to take his recruitment to the distance, but you got to like where FSU stands. He's used, he's burned three officials now to those three aforementioned schools. He's going to use his FSU official for the first game of the season against Notre Dame. And then he'll probably take one more uh, during the season. And he'll decide in either November, he told me, or uh, on, in December's early signing period. Move over Zach. to the offensive line. What's up? Oh, no, go ahead. I thought you were done. Finish it out. Yeah. Four-star offensive lineman, Elijah Pritchett, uh, you know, we had heard before the month that kind of uh, it was like Florida State, Alabama, Georgia were the main contenders. He goes and officially visits in Tallahassee for that first week slash weekend. He comes back later in the week for FSU's first big man camp and works one on one with Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell. Um, but then he goes and trips to USC and Alabama, at least. Uh, and then he unofficially visited Georgia and Auburn. Um, it's still, you know. Alabama is probably the biggest threat to FSU uh, with Pritchett's, within Pritchett's recruitment just because um, that's a school he, he's always liked. And it, it seems like it's going to come down to a numbers game with Alabama um, that could, you know, affect FSU's chances with, you know, how many they're taking on the offensive line and how much they're making Pritchett a priority. Last name I put on here, which was kind of a controversial one uh, so far on those 24-7, uh, four-star running back Katron Allen out of IMG Academy. Um, I just, I, I had to put him on here because he visits FSU middle of the month. I think it was June 16th, uh, coming off a UF official visit. Um, it was, I believe, the only school he unofficially visited during the month of June. And I, he's got one more official visit to use. He went to Penn State, Florida, Georgia, and Michigan State in June. If he makes that last official visit to FSU, um, you know, who knows what could happen? We know Katron Allen's one of their top guys on the running back board, along with like a Javante Barnes and a Jalen Glover. But I just think that, um, I, you know, he was the kind of guy that I wanted to sneak into this list. And, you know, you've got other guys like Marvin Jones Jr. and uh, Julian Armello that we'll talk about. But th those are the five guys I outlined. All right, Zach. Uh as always, you and I putting out controversial list on back-to-back -back days on Knowles 24-7. If there was a name or two, because Florida State did a great job of getting guys on campus this summer, especially some guys like you said, Katron Allen, that we didn't expect to be on campus. Um, if you were going to add like another name or two to this list, who would it be? I would say Earl Little Jr. Um, you get him on campus for multiple days at the beginning of the month. Uh, Chris kind of mentioned it before, but they did it with the, did this with a lot of guys um, where it was like an unofficial visit, but because they were on campus for multiple days, it served as almost an official visit. He worked out um, at FSU's June 5th elite camp, which I just thought was pretty cool. Um, he worked out one-on-one -on -one with Marcus Woodson. He also just got the full visit experiences, uh, visit experience the day before. And, you know, I think, I think they made a move with him, Alabama, once again, uh, looks like the biggest contender. Miami's also involved. Um, and I think he also officially visited USC. 
Um, but yeah, he's the guy that I would probably put on there because, you know, obviously like anyone can mention Marvin Jones Jr. or Julian Armella, but I still mm-hmm. kind of view those guys as kind of uh, recruits that are going to take it the distance. And um, I think the season is going to affect those two recruitments the, the most out of what, uh, ab- what about just in general on that story, do, do you see all of these guys that you named waiting through the season or into the season to make their decision? Or are there any names that FSU fans can look at? and say, oh, maybe, you know, we might land him in July or August. Yeah, I'm not sure on Katron Allen's decision timeline. Um, I think he's mentioned making a summer decision before, before his senior season at IMG, but, I, but I'll check on that. I think Jaleel Skinner is the other one I'm kind of looking at. I view the other three with um, Coleman, Kelly, and Pritchett as guys that are going to make in-season decisions. But I, I feel like Jaleel Skinner could make a, a summer decision or – an early fall decision, like maybe after that, um, the FSU Notre Dame game, his last official visit. All right. Sticking on the theme of June visitors, I want to get to some of the unofficial visitors that were here over the month and get a little bit more thorough breakdown of those guys. But real quick, uh, dating back about a week and a half or two, this is my bad. We never discussed Marvin Jones Jr.'s visit. That's my fault, fellas. I didn't, I didn't set Zach or Josh up that podcast to talk about it. Um, so let's, Let's talk a little Marvin Jones Jr. I mean, I chatted with him when he departed. Um, All right. Well, then you came with You weren't there that day, Chris. You weren't there for us that day to talk about him. So that's what I'm sorry. I I took a little time with the wife and the kids. How dare Um, you? I know. But no, he came with mom, came with some other family too, but dad was not part of it. I know everybody's going to ask that immediately. Um, You know, FSU did a really good job. I think they did a fantastic job with his mother. She's a Miami grad for those who aren't familiar. And I think they really put her mind at ease and showed her that FSU is a pretty nice family feeling and that obviously they value Marvin a great deal. They made him a priority. I think the thing that FSU is doing most effectively with Marvin is obviously his dad and the history he has with this program beyond this program is always going to loom in that. But FSU is recruiting Junior as his own person. They're not recruiting him as Marvin Jones' son. They're recruiting him as Marvin Jones Jr., 250-pound defensive end, edge rusher, talented as hell that they want that can be a difference maker that can help change this program, a South Florida beast who can come up here from a great school like American Heritage and probably contribute pretty damn early in his career at a high level because those kids are usually prepped to do so coming out of school. And FSU's obviously got some great history with Ed Drushers from that school, Brian Burns being who I'm speaking of specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I think they did a fantastic job of kind of making that impression. There was still a bit of the your dad's got history here because like he held the Mount Mervyn Jones trophy that his father won when he was here, the national award that he won with his name on it. So there was that element, but a vast majority of how they're recruiting him is as his own individual. And I think that's made a strong impression and made it clear to him he's a priority. He's going to take four officials in season. FSU's one of those four. You know, FSU, Ohio State. Miami, they're all definitely going to be involved in this thing throughout. He's been Miami since he came here. He went for Paradise. Um, and there's a couple others that will definitely be contenders. But no, he's done a good job positioning themselves there. He's not giving much away in the sense of leaders and favorites and all that. He's just he's not in a rush with any of that. He's going to take it at least to November. Alabama is going to be a nut school. That's going to be a major contender in that throughout. And I think George is the other one. He was one of two players recently, correct me if I'm wrong, who flashed the uh, the upside-down U, correct, Chris? I think he did that. I don't get too tied up in that. I know the internet loves to, um, but I believe he threw it up there. But, yeah, he was at Miami a couple of days later. It is what it is. It's recruiting. Who was the other one, Zachary, who threw it up and, and caused a, a pretty big stir? Wesley Besaint, the All linebacker right. from Central. All right, so you caught up with Wesley, correct? So let's go over what, what his time was. He visited – well, around the same time the official visitors were, were coming here about a day before. So what did you learn from talking with, with Wesley? Yeah, um, the I, ta- I spoke with him. He spent Friday and then into Sunday morning at FSU. I don't – or Friday into Saturday morning at FSU. And then he traveled down to Paradise Camp at Miami. I think he enjoyed his visit. Um, I think the biggest thing to note um, – he didn't actually, like, say this, but just from my observations of him uh, on the trip – Mike Norvell was making him a, a clear priority. Um, he kind of made note uh, when they were outside going on a golf cart tour that he had never like accompanied a recruit on a golf cart tour. Usually he's in the facility dealing with stuff in there, doing meetings. And he goes and, and, and sits on the golf cart tour for the entire time with Wesley Besaint and his family. 
Um, so I, I just thought that was kind of cool that, to note um, that, that, you know, he's a, a clear priority at the linebacker position. I personally think he's probably the top linebacker they're in on. Um, I, I love his game. I went to go watch him in South Florida when I was down there for a, for a spring practice at Miami Central. And I just think, I think he's, he's a really, really um, great linebacker prospect. So if FSU could land him, obviously they're going against Miami. He's, he told me he's going to visit Florida at the end of July. Um, so those are kind of the teams that are, that are battling. I think he also officially visited West Virginia and I, I know he officially visited Miami, but he also officially visited West Virginia and maybe one other school, uh, Penn state, I think, uh, was the other school in June. And, um, so we'll see, I think, I think he's going to take his decision all the way until early signing day. That's what he told me at least. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he oh the big news coming out of that that interview I did with him sorry I didn't mention this before is okay. he's taking he's taking his official visit to Florida State for their game uh, against Louisville I believe that's September twenty fifth is the weekend he'll he'll be in town so that he he got up here and then and then scheduled that official visit uh, right. for the for the middle of the season and then one other player who was here for the final weekend unofficially was wide receiver Andre Green Jr four-star wide receiver from Richmond, Virginia. Zach, you also caught up with Andre. So real quick, what were your takeaways from, from that quick visit? Yeah, he was the last recruit to leave Florida State's facilities in June um, with all the guys they had in. You know, they, they made him a huge priority. Uh, every step of his visit, Mike Norvell and the entire coaching staff were just screaming, just getting him hyped up, um, showing him a lot of love. Uh, he mentioned that as something that he liked. He's got a ton of schools involved with him. Chris is scaring me right now, but uh, he's got a ton of schools involved with him. Uh, he's taken, he took like, I believe seven visits in June. He's going to make a couple more visits in July um, and then take uh, a few officials in the fall. Um, so we'll see if Florida State can land an official. I think he has one scheduled to Notre Dame um, and I believe he'll have one more to use after that. Yeah, I, I dug around a bit on Green after his visit. I talked with him when me and Zach were there that day too. Um, I think Clemson, North Carolina, Georgia, Notre Dame are all four teams that are definitely 100% in that recruitment without a shadow of a doubt. If he puts out a top five, the fifth is going to be interesting. If he puts out a top six, I think FSU would certainly make it. Top five, I think FSU's got an outside shot of making it. We shall see. I think they did a very good job. Ron Dugan's kind of leading the charge there to some degree. Mike Norvell also doing a lot of to help it there. Kenny Dillingham was very involved in the visit, took an awesome like Jordan – Pose photo with him where he's jumping over him. Um, yeah, FSU's kind of shooting their shot with that kid. That's a really, really talented wide receiver, but he's got a pretty broad spectrum of options with a few that are certainly going to make the cut. It's going to be interesting as he minimizes his list as a, if FSU survives or not. And then, Chris, one other guy who was there around the same time, I, I believe worked out, correct me if I'm wrong there, but but kind of added to the ever-expanding offensive line board. Is that what we're calling him, the fridge? Uh, Bryson Hurts looks like a fridge. He looks like an old big body fridge. Like you could survive a nuclear bomb by climbing into and closing the door like a old school Thor movie. Um, big boy. Uh, he did well from what I understand. The workout went very well. The feedback was good. Alex Atkins was impressed. I think FSU's going to keep him warm to kind of see how things progress with other offensive line targets. It was his first ever visit here. He came here right on the hills of a visit to Florida. Uh, he's He's a massive human being. I mean, he's as tall as he is wide, I feel like, and he carries it pretty well. Um, but he liked it here. Marcus Woodson's got t- some ties to the Mississippi High School he's from and the people that he's tied to there. So that helps FSU's cause a little bit. I think he intends to come back. I don't know about an official. He's going to put out a narrowed list. I believe it's August 25th. It's right there in that ballpark. It's his birthday. He's going to put out top five. He told me FSU would certainly be part of that top five. I think Old Miss, Mississippi State are a couple others to keep an eye on there. Um, yeah. Is he I'm, – I'm sorry if you said this, Chris. I was dealing with some technical issues. Is he a guard or a tackle? Uh, I mean, probably a guard. I hate you for asking me <laughs> this because you're just setting me up for it. Probably a guard – could probably be a right tackle if needed. I don't think he's a left tackle type prospect. But Say, I think there's very few of those. Ideally a guard. There you go. Josh nailed it. We keep him around for wordsmithing. All right. Let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side of it, uh, one potential commitment coming up to hit on, a little NIL and NFT action. 
Josh, to kind of wet your whistle there. And then uh, I think that'll be it. All right. So stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, welcome back to On the Bench. I teased a little potential commitment action, and, well, Jarrell Powers was official visiting FSU this past weekend, moves up his commitment date to July 2nd, which is tomorrow. So uh, where are our balls at, fellas? Josh, I'll start this with you because I think you were the first one to drop your ball. Yeah, I was the first one to drop on Jarrell Powers, Duncanville, Texas tight end. He was six foot four, 238 pounds, and there are now eight crystal ball predictions in for FSU. A trendsetter. Um, None in for Colorado or Oregon State, the other two places that Jarrell Powers has taken official visits to. So it looks like this is going to be Florida State by a landslide. Um, Chris Thompson brought him in. Kenny Dillingham also involved in his recruitment. Jarrell, like you said, was set to decide on July 3rd, but the official visit shook some things up, and Jarrell Powers is going to decide on July 2nd now. Let's say if theoretically Jarrell Powers did commit to FSU tomorrow, Chris, what would what would FSU be getting? More tight ends. Josh's favorite subject. Uh, I mentioned when we talked about his official visit, he came in a bit longer and a bit thicker than I think FSU thought he would, and they were pleased about that. His athleticism is good. I guess he was a bit limited in the spring, which kept him a little bit under wraps. FSU feels like they're ahead on him from what I gathered. Uh, talented pass catcher who's also going to have to develop into being a capable inline blocker, kind of sort of similar to Cam McDonald when he arrived at FSU. A guy that can get down the field, has athleticism, big mitts, can go and get it, can catch it, definitely can help you on the seam. But he's going to have to become a better blocker on the line of scrimmage because that's something that position demands in this system. Josh Byorsonone, four more tight end commitments in this class. Four more in this class. Byen. <laughs> I think we can do it, folks. I think we can do it. I, I love that that's the hill Josh is dying on this year. Tight ends is what it, it is oddly nuts. myopic and like a weird tiny thing to get hung up it's on. Kind of like how running back recruiting boggles my mind because I never can truly feel like I have my finger on the pulse of what FSC's doing at that position. No matter I didn't understand much. some of the takes from last year. I don't really understand some of the takes from this year, but I'm just going with it. And um, just bring me more tight ends. I'll understand at some point. Josh, one thing that you certainly do understand is the NFT life. You're all about that. A little cryptocurrency, oh, yeah. a little NFT, some non-fungible tokens. Oh, get uh, me some non-fungibles. Woo! Uh, NIL, name, image, likeness goes into effect today at midnight, shortly thereafter. Uh, basically, it was announced that McKinsey, Milton, Derek King were joining up with a, oh God, what's the name of it? Help me out, fellas. What's the name of it? What what are you? The name of the company that they that Dreamfield. Dreamfield. Thank you, Dreamfield. We need to get them on the podcast. If I can remember the name, I'll get them. They follow me on Twitter. I'll ask. They follow follow me on Twitter too. But yeah, get them on. Get them on. Get them on. Let's do it. Uh, But so, anyways, Dreamfield is a platform that is going to make it basically create accessibility for college athletes to go ahead and sell their services, whether it's. visits you know going in and visiting schools or whatnot and, and having appearances getting paid for that uh having what mckenzie milton is doing which is the, the nf the nft which so is it's the, essentially the an agent uh, it's like a yeah i guess it is it's like a booking Brendan, if you take if it's you like take a booking the, agent like if a booking you take agent. the word agent in the, the the real definition of agent which is an immediate immediary between two parties mm-hmm then that's what they are because basically Dreamfield is a software that um, connects the player, the school, and the customer. 
right? All three are connected because the school has to approve of it. So some way they're getting this information to the school of the deal that they're brokering. So they're kind of playing this quasi agent role right now, which I think, I mean, it's there, it, it's needed if you're going to be doing business like this to bring everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to, I think that what they're doing is what a lot of um, companies are trying to do right now. And we're going to see which ones end up sustaining it because I think the other threat too is NFL agents coming in and dipping their toes into this. And I've been talking to some people behind the scenes on how this gets done. And it's quite easy. They say they just create a new shell company called, you know, agent marketing. They call it a marketing company instead of an agency. A span. <laughs> and they get these college recruit, college players kind of in their system before they even go pro, even though it's from this marketing company, quote unquote, marketing company, I Mm -hmm. do think that you're going to see a significant amount of NFL agent activity coming into this at some point. There's going to be some unintended consequences that come from this. And I think ultimately it's a really good thing and a a cool platform and right for, for college athletes to be able to maximize their time in college and make money off their name, image, and likeness. Like that's something that all of us should be able to do, right. Is, is maximize our financial opportunities, but there are going to be some, some interesting fallouts too. I think that you have to kind of figure out what the rules are and what you can and can't do. Uh, But for now, I am taxes. Uh, Josh learned about taxes through just playing the stock market for a year. Like, Oh crap, I have to pay taxes at the end of this. Yep. Yep. You do. But I, I have a different out. I mean, Hey, I'm more than willing to pay taxes on money that I made, right? Yeah, right. I'm paying it because I made it. Learned about wash sales and all that good stuff. <laughs> all that good stuff. <laughs> so my question to you, Brendan, are you going to buy the new KZ coin at 0. 0.00007 and ride it up all the way to a dollar? <laughs> so can, can, can players come out with their own crypto? Why not? They can come out with like, this is the wild, wild west. It's all fair game for now. Like there's a couple of different rules. Like basically FSU can't directly pay them. I think boosters can't directly pay them, but like, what does that mean? What does that mean? That's the gray area is going to be crazy insanity. Uh, but McKinsey, no, but, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Like say you're a oh, so like, State alumni and uh, so wait, you, you know, the I biggest, s- hold on. I s- and you own the biggest car dealership in Tallahassee. Are you right. not allowed to, I miss because you happen to go to FSU. I miss you have to dance. You can't do pay for play. Like that's one thing that's mapped out. That's not allowed. But right. obviously right. if it's someone tied to boosters, I'm not sure how many hoops they have to jump through to potentially have a student athlete as, you know, say a, a person. Well, you know, for example, Matthew Cleveland's going to play video games with people and get make money off it. He's one of, I think like 4,000 student athletes that's tied into that. What's known. I just check the text thread when you get a second. <laughs> um, uh, I will clarify. I, boosters, I think they're like Chris said. There's there's a way around it. I, I was saying FSU employees and board of trustees is what I meant to say. Uh, no, but I do think Brandon, you bring up a great point because thank you. I think it's a gray area. I've always brought up, um, you know, this scenario. Uh, okay, just use Cam McDonald for instance. We saw him put out a basic T-shirt with his initials on it, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What if? an FSU alumni wanted to buy 20,000 of his t-shirts. Right. Right. How do you stop that? How, How do you stop you... that? Right. And I... is he not allowed to do it because he happened to graduate from the same school that McDonald attends or could, you, I, there's just some, there's just gray area. I don't know the answers to this. I know you don't either, but it's all going to get sorted out over the next year or two. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that sort out process works. Like someone's is going to have someone's going to, have to get outraged. Like what's going to be one fan base getting outraged. It's going to be interesting this whole uh, next year or two. But in the meantime, McKinsey Milton uh, NFT trading card for sale for like two thousand dollars. I was all on board for a hundred dollars, maybe two hundred. Even I was going to get into it. I saw it for two thousand dollars, and my heart broke. I can't get it. It's just too much. Is um. If you guys want to start GoFundMe for Sinone to live out his Is, dream. Did he come out with a price for his NFT? Yeah, it's, a, it's on the platform of the Dreamfield, uh, which I now remember the name. Oh, of so how much was it, did you say? $2,000. And is it a limited? Like what the whole well, thing I about think, NFTs is first, scarcity. So is it yeah, a one-off? It's There's like 20 cards, I think, initially, if I'm not mistaken. Hang on. I'm pulling it up. Okay. So he has he has multiple cards um, that are probably one-offs that are different designs. 
and I saw on Twitter, I can't find it now, but I did see Matt Corral was like $10,000. So like, you know, there's Ole Miss people dropping $10,000 on that real fast. Yeah, but there's other things you can do with NFTs. Like you could also put, you know, it's a digital trading card, but you could say everybody that buys a $2,000 digital trading card will also get a game used jersey. Like you could oh, you can like, get an Andrew Parchment one right now for $30. Joshua Burrell not available. Get it on those early. Um, Jerry on early. Buy low, sell high. Woo! Um, I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. Derek King, $2,000. Nolan Smith from Georgia, $150. Samuel Jackson from, was it UCF? 500. Wow. I don't see the Matt Corral one. Maybe someone made that up. Michael Penix, $500. That's actually not a bad, you know, if all of a sudden he wins the Heisman or something, right? I, okay. Never mind. Yeah, Devontae Love, so Ta- Love Taylor, $100. I find the whole NFT thing so weird. Of course you do. Jordan Wilson, I, no, not I available. Do. The, Cameron the McDonald. NBA- the NBA ones obviously sold like hotcakes and kind of started the whole craze of them, to my knowledge, at least. Yes. Chubba then, Purdy, Chubba Purdy available, Chubba Purdy available. I think Kings of Leon released their album. They were first to do it as an NFT, if I recall Yes, correctly. but it also, so they released their album as an NFT, but there's other things tied to it. It almost, Chris, reminds me of, you know, like back in the 90s when you would be be it's like a part um, of the fan club. A fan club member, which allows yeah. you to get access to tickets, gets you merch, like yeah. that. Kings of Leon tied together a bunch of things that you can actually hold that come with it outside of just the album. So there are ways to add value to an NFT where it's just not a digital image. Yeah, and I know Travis? WWE did it. They've done it for like Undertaker's Greatest Moments, for example, was something they've done. I was reading right. up on that. It, it's just an interesting marketplace. I don't know... I don't know if it's one of those things we're talking about in five years, or is it the most common thing we're talking about? Five it years? might like be. I, and we, one thing that I thought was going to, they were selling NBA highlights. That's what you're talking yeah. about. Top shots was creating yeah. NFTs out of NBA highlights where you get this Luka Doncic, however you say his name, uh, highlight and, and it's yours and you're the only one, but I'm, I'm thinking, how is this ever going to work? Well, then YouTube started scrubbing some of their videos. So ah. it literally, you know, there are companies now that are complying and, and playing the NFT game. So maybe in that capacity, if you, if it is truly scarce and you really somehow get the only highlight or the only card, then I, I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this thing goes. I agree with you. It could be nothing or it could be everything in three to five years. Amari Gaynor available. What would you guys rather spend $2,000 on a McKinsey Milton one right now or $100 on Devontae Love Taylor? Like, which one do you think has higher ROI potential? Or, th- or $30 you, on Andrew Parchment. Do you think like people are actually investing in these or do you think they're just purchasing them? It's kind of like the old baseball <laughs> card collector. Are you buying the baseball cards to resell them and make money uh, or are you just buying them to collect them? That's what I meant. Like, uh, are you just a super fan and you want these players? NFTs or just whatever the hell they're putting out there because you're such a big FSU fan and you just want to collect and you want to support. But then, like you said, I guess there are some people that would look at it as an investment. And I don't know how good of an investment this is going to be long-term if that's what you're trying to do. Matt Corral is at $10,000, by the way. Oh my God, there's a Gino English one. <laughs> we know it's an own buying. Who's Gino English? <laughs> He's walk a on walk-on quarterback for FSU. Oh, I got you. Way to know your team. Hey, Josh, you want to go over some of the some of the listener reviews? That was a big hit last week, and we had a lot of people respond with some good stories for this one. So I'll let you take us out with, with a few of those. All right. All right, Brandon, we have a couple more submissions. And if you want to get your review read on On the Bench, go to our iTunes, leave a review, and tell us how you've started listening to the OTB. Um, this one from Patrick Karen. Uh, tireless dedication first timer rating you i've listened for years i'm an old dude said go seminoles before i said mama grew up listening to uncle joints and ken hammond on the radio i love you guys i'm into technology and you keep me up to date with how the gen xers and gen zers think you are sometimes too silly for my taste but i definitely think you out hustle war chant so i'm a big fan anyway Keep up the good work. I always told Market Street you were the reason I paid more to shop there when in town. Love bur- bourbon, Sinone. Love investing and go Knowles. Louisville Knoll fan 
said how I became a listener. Seminole fan from the late 80s, discovered Seminole podcast in Jimbo's last year. Lousy timing, I know. Started with the Nolcast, but once there was a long time between shows, so I started looking for other podcasts and found OTB. While I started off listening to OTB in between Nolcast shows, it didn't take long for OTB to become my favorite. Great mix of info and entertainment. Also, Nolcast, proud new sponsor of On the Bench. Horse Lover, the only <laughs> podcast for Knowles. If you're an FSU fan and don't listen to the podcast, you're missing out big. HK All Day 60. Stay strong, Brendan. Enjoy the show. Been debating on making the move to the website for a while. Really love the dynamic between the guys and definitely agree we need to have more Zach. Only listened to this in the Nolcast. Gave up the rest of FSU Media a few years ago. Thanks for the content, guys. Hopefully the team gets things going this year. NCN Noel Player. Best source for FSU fans. This podcast is fire. Y'all crushed it in June. So good. Luke Elmore, great pod. Started listening during the fall of the Taggart era. The insight after the Wake Forest game was priceless. LOL. Thanks for all you guys do. All right. Thank you guys for submitting these reviews and five-star ratings. Um, like I said, if you want us to read yours on here, uh, just submit it, and uh, next pod we'll, we'll do that. Ah, uh, the post-Wake Forest podcast. Good times. Chris scaring Zach again. Stop doing that. <laughs> all right for chris knee zach blostein josh newberg somewhere in central new york right now i'm brendan sonom this has been on the bench uh, i'm about to go wheels up in a day to uh, upstate new york so i'll be on vacation probably no podcasts next week right Unless i mean zach might hold it down you never know wait yeah. hold on you can't pod when you're on uh, vacation the, the internet well, no i'm taking a vacation like i'm out <laughs> Uh, and also oh. the internet, the internet, they're like in the foothills of the Adirondacks. So the internet there may be a little scary. All right, guys. Well, I don't mind firing up the podcast when I'm on vacation. So we'll run the three-man weave with me, Chris, and Zach. We're not missing a pot. That ain't happening. Rocking like you. Chris, stop doing that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.